the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This program is sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ. There's a message true and glad for the sinful and the sad. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. It will give them courage new. It will help them to be true. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Okay. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome back to another episode of Redeeming the Time. I'm your host, Chris Macy. And I am the minister here with the North Valley Church of Christ. Uh, We're going to be taking a look at Revelation chapter 9 today, the fifth and the sixth trumpet, a part of that seventh broken seal, or sixth, yeah, seventh broken seal, apologize. And we're going to look at it in just a moment. I want to remind you that we have a workshop coming up on November the uh, 7th, 8th, and 9th. Is that right? 7, 8, and 9? Let me pull up my counter. Think I'd be ready for this? Yeah, the seventh, the eighth, and the ninth of November, and it, it starts on that Thursday, the seventh, in the evening. And we do Thursday evening. We have a few lessons, and then all day Friday, and Friday night's really the end. But Saturday's there for people who want to stay the night and leave in the morning. But that's a. It's called tackling the text. It's a workshop. Last year we did Hebrews chapters one through uh, seven, and this year we're doing. Chapters 8 to the end of Hebrews, we, you get the entire commentary. You get top-line five-star meals for breakfast, lunch, dinner on Thursday and Friday. And, of course, we have breakfast on Saturday. All that plus lodging. And not, not lodging in the sense where you're on a floor. You get actual beds. There's sh- hot showers. There's restrooms. There's plenty of hiking. It's up in Prescott in, in a cabin and a camp up there at Copper Basin Bible Camp. All of that. And you get to hear the actual man who put the commentary together and ask him questions for just $50. That's it. 50 bucks, folks. That's a great price. That's a good time. Men and women can both come. Uh, anybody who's over 12 is invited to be there. And everything's taken care of. We want to make sure you have a good, relaxing time and, and a great opportunity to get into God's Word. And so we'll have uh, last year's commentary up there as well. We'll have the James, the Ephesians, the Galatians, the two Romans, and, of course, you know the, the previous Hebrews and this year's Hebrews up there as well. All those commentaries will be for sale. You'll get to see and meet with Guy Orpeson Jr. And if you're interested in knowing more about that and getting some more details, visit the website, www.tacklingthetext.com. www.tacklingthetext.com. And uh, I hope you can uh, be part of that. It's a good, good work. All right. Let's get started with the next chapter on Revelation. We'll be looking at Revelation chapter 9. There's 21 verses. And we're going to start by reading verses 1 through, let's do 1 through 6, and then we'll do 7 through 11. There's, there's The fifth trumpet is 1 through 11, and then the sixth trumpet is the last part. We'll break it up into two parts on the fifth trumpet. One through six. 
Then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star from heaven which had fallen to the earth, and the key of the bottomless pit was given to him. He opened the bottomless pit, and smoke went up out of the pit, like the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by the smoke of the pit. Then out of the smoke came locusts upon the earth, and power was given them, as the scorpions of the earth have power. They were told not to hurt the grass of the earth, nor any green thing, nor any tree, but only the men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. And they were not permitted to kill anyone, but to torment for five months, and their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings a man. And in those days, men will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die, and death flees from them. Excuse me. All right. Verse 1, you had that word, the star, there. The description of this star seems to point us to Satan. From heaven it had fallen to earth, probably depicts the fall of Satan, who I think was a created angel that had rebelled. Uh, The key to the bottomless pit, that's authority over the abyss, a reference to hell. Now, Hendrickson suggests in his commentary that hell is referred to as abyss before the final judgment, and lake of fire after judgment. Uh, that's from He gets that from Luke 8.31. Or to present abode, the, the present abode of the devil and the demons. That's Homer Haley. And there's other views there, but we're not going to get into those. <coughs> In verse 2, you got that smoke. The smoke darkened the light. Uh, in reference to the delusions and the deceptions of Satan, it is his effort to hinder people from seeing the truth and to entice them over to sin. Depicted here is a hellish atmosphere. Whatever would cloud the thinking and blind the eyes so that men will not believe that it is sin, sorrow, Moral degradation. He doesn't want them to see those things, so that smoke deludes them. Verses 3 and 4, you got the locusts reminding, reminding us of the plagues from Exodus chapter 10. The locust swarm in Joel's day, there in the first couple of chapters of the uh, minor prophet Joel. Uh, Hal Lindsay says uh, they are mutant locusts with demons in them, or perhaps cobra helicopters, kind of crazy out there. He's wrong. Ray Summers says it represents the hellish rottenness, the internal decadence in the Roman Empire. I don't think it's tied to just Rome. Hendrickson says that they are the powers and influences of hell operating in the hearts and lives of wicked men. I agree. Yeah, okay, I I can accept that uh, as a possibility. Now, my thoughts are this. I think... That the locust represents all the spiritual forces under Satan's authority in all attempts that proceed from Satan sent out to deceive men into following his lies. In other words, it's a general personification of evil. 
That's what I think. That's why I'm, I'm okay with hindrancing. It's, it's kind of similar there. Verses 4 and 6, don't hurt, only hurt the men. So, so you know, don't hurt the, the green grass and trees. But anyway, the locusts are not sent out to affect the physical world. That's, you know, the, the typical way of locusts. Now, that's the what happens in the first four trumpets. The fifth trumpet here, it's different. It's to hurt only the men, the humans. And specifically, those who have not been sealed as belonging to God. So the locusts don't touch Christians. Only the unrighteous are harmed. Torment. They could not kill anyone. Only torment for five months, which is about the lifespan of a locust, and denotes a specified period of time. The Lord knows when it will be over. Now, these guys are going to seek death. This seems to describe the slavery that these people have to sin. Sin brings about torment. Those sealed are not involved in this trumpet sounding of warning. They are not involved in the sinful lifestyles. Some scholars uh, would refer this to Rome's vulnerability because of her own internal corruption. But I, I think it can be applied to every uh, generation. Like we look at our generation today, you know, do people, are they seeking death? But they're not going to find it. Death will not be the end of the torment for them. I'm, and I'm talking about phys- in the physical way. We see folks who are buying into this idea of gender fl- gender fluidity, where the you know men who think they're supposed to be women, women who think they're supposed to be men, and then others who I don't even know what they think they are, but they don't think they're either or whatever. I don't know, but there's not that's a very small percentage think this way, but the suicide rate. Among that group, and that's that's a small group, the suicide rate is astronomical, way too high. There's a mental problem there. It is not the way we are made to be. Now, let's read verses 7 through 11, the continuation of the fifth trumpet. The appearance of the locusts was like horses prepared for battle, and on their heads appeared to be crowns like gold, and their faces were like the faces of men. They had hair like the hair of women, and their teeth were like the teeth of lions. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots of many horses rushing to battle. They have tails like scorpions and stings And in their tails is their power to hurt men for five months. They have as king over them the angel of the abyss. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon. And in the Greek, he has the name Apollyon. All right. Verses 7 through 11. This is a, a, a remarkable resemblance to horses outfitted for battle. But this is a spiritual warfare. They come wearing crowns of victory, but what have they conquered? They are after the souls of men, right? That's what they're looking to conquer. Sin comes to us in unusual forms, wearing a mask, 
giving an appearance of one thing, but the horrible reality is behind the mask. Faces, they look like intelligent men, but they're stinging scorpions. Hair, attractive like the soft hair of a woman, but they've got the teeth of lions. They have uh, the breastplates. That's, they're hard to penetrate. The appearance of invincibility, pornography, abortion, homosexuality. All these things are protect, protected, aren't they? Uh, by governments, and you just we want to be rid of these things from our lives, but they're just always out there, easy to access, difficult to get rid of. The king over them, well. Proverbs 30, verse 27 gives us an idea about that. That's where we learn that real locusts have no king. This is probably a reference to Satan, who is intent on destruction, that's Abaddon, and is himself the destroyer. That means Apollyon. That's, that's what those two mean. The first four trumpets had to do with warnings that involved acts of nature. The fifth trumpet reveals the deceptions and delusions of Satan and the horrors that follow all who fall into them. As the constant stinging of a scorpion would torment a man physically, so sin brings torment to humanity. Some who submit to Satan's temptations and become slaves of sin may think they are happy, but in reality they're miserable. Only those who follow Christ, those who are sealed, escape the tormented uh, enslavement. We might think of such sinners as drunkards, drug addicts, homosexuals, and prostitutes who reap the consequences of their sins. Life can become unbearable so that they would want to die to be released from the torment. This is the first of the three woes. Remember the three woes? The the uh, eagle flying, saying, Woe, 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 for the next three trumpets, the fifth, the sixth, and the seventh. So this is the first one. Now on to the sixth trumpet. Uh, let's read. Let me get over here. Let's just read the whole thing, 13 to 21. Then the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar which is before God. One saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. And the four angels who had been prepared for the hour and day and month and year were released so that they would kill a third of mankind. The number of the armies of the horsemen was 200 million. I heard the number of them. And this is how I saw in the vision the horses and those who sat on them, the riders had breastplates the color of fire and of hesentia uh, and of brimstone, and the heads of the horses are like the heads of lions, and out of their mouths proceeded fire and smoke and brimstone. A third of mankind was killed by these three plagues by the fire and the smoke and the brimstone which proceeded out of their mouths. For the power of the horses is in their mouths and in their tails. For their tails are like serpents and have heads, and with them they do harm. The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, so as not to worship demons 
and the idols of gold, and of silver, and of brass, and of stone, and of wood, which can neither see, nor hear, nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their immorality, nor of their thefts. All right, let's back up to verse 13. A voice from the four horns of the golden altar there seems to be a heavenly response again to the cries of God's people. From chapter 6, 9, 11, chapter 8, verses 3 and 5. Verses 14 and 15, get the four angels, reminding us of those in 7, 1, but there are some noticeable differences. There they held the four winds at the four corners. Here it is the river Euphrates, and the angels are bound. Perhaps maybe these are evil angels that need to be bound. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, Euphrates, the, the great river, is associated with the ancient Assyrians and Babylonians and their opposition to God's people. John's use of the Euphrates is not geographic, but it's symbolic. God's forces of vengeance were held in restraint at their border until a time determined by himself when, under his judgment, the flood would once again overflow the land. Now, the image, verses 16 to 19, the image in these verses is that of war. It may refer to earthly warfare of huge proportions. Verse 15 implies that it is all under God's control. It probably refers to God's intervention in the wars of men to bring about his own ends. Historically, God sent invading armies in judgment against Israel and against Judah. His purpose was not annihilation, but to bring them to repentance. War should be seen as a warning voice from God. War and its cruelty awakens us to the sinful ways of this world. And now verses 20 to 21. In these verses, we see the purpose of the sixth trumpet, to bring men to repentance. Those who escaped should have learned their lesson, but they did not. Idols and the worshiping of demons, that's the root of sin. Something other than God fills the heart, and this involves man's relationship with God. The murders, the sorceries, immoralities, the thefts involves man's relationship with man. Hendrickson notes in his commentary that these verse, in these verses that uh, there's this continual rejection of the two greatest commandments. Love the Lord thy God and love thy neighbor as thyself. Now, that's the end of chapter 9 in those first six trumpets. Now, verse chapter 10 and chapter 11, we got... Uh, an excursus here before he gets to the seventh trumpet at the end of chapter 11. So usually that happens because, you know, the, the last one is going to be the big one. And so let's look at chapter 10. It's a short chapter, 11 verses. The first two woes, those the cha- uh, trumpets five and six, the first two woes show the consequence of ungodliness and God's attempt to get man's attention to lead him to repentance, as we just read. Now, remember that trumpets are for warning. There seems to be a delay in blasting the seventh trumpet after the sixth has sounded. Don't think, again, in terms of chronology here, chapters 10 and 11. We are probably looking at what's going on with the saints, the Christians, during the first and second woes, the fifth and sixth trumpet. 
Let's read the verses, and then I'm, I'm going to read my notes here. I saw another strong angel coming down out of heaven, clothed with a cloud, and the rainbow was upon his head, and his face was like the sun, and his feet like pillars of fire. And he had in his hand a little book, which was open. He placed his right foot on the sea, and his left on the land. And he cried out with a loud voice, as when a lion roars. And when he had cried out, the seven peals of thunder uttered their voices. When the seven peals of thunder had spoken, I was about to write. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Seal up the things which the seven peals of thunder had spoken, and do not write them. Then the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land lifted up his right hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and the things in it and the earth and the things in it and the sea and the things in it, that there will be delay no longer. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound, then the mystery of God is finished as he preached to the to his servants the prophets. Then the voice which I heard from heaven, I heard again speaking with me, and saying, Go, take the book which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel, telling him to give me the little book. And he said to me, Take it, and eat it. It will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth it will be sweet as honey. I took the little book out of the angel's hand, and I ate it. And in my mouth it was sweet as honey. And when I had eaten it, my stomach was made bitter. And they said to me, You must prophesy again concerning many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. All right, so we're going to quickly go through this. Uh, There's not much here. Uh, The strong angel, no real indication there in verse 1 that that might be Christ. It's, as it says, it is another angel. This is not Jesus. He has that little book. This is a commission for John, that's verses 8 through 11, to prophesy. Perhaps what John will reveal concerning the destiny of all people is the full mystery of God. He has his feet on the sea and on the land. Uh, the far-reaching uh, effects of this commission is the whole world, those seven peals of thunder. That seems to be a reference to God speaking, but he's told to seal it up. Some things are kept secret. This is for the apostles' ears only. This is just for John. Now, this may be because you know it's a blessing to John. John is an apostle. He's gone through a lot. He's doing this also for the Lord. He's a servant. So God's giving him this blessing to hear something just for him. Just like when Paul was taken up into the, the third heavens to see things, but he wasn't allowed to speak about all the things he saw and heard. That was just for him and him alone as a blessing. Verses 5 and 6. The angel seems to be taking an oath there. And uh, then the, the, he says there's a delay no longer. just probably means that the opportunities for the ungodly to repent are almost gone. God will do nothing more than what has already been indicated in order to motivate men to repentance. 
verse 7. You got the mystery, usually associated with the gospel or with the word of God. In this case, here, then when the seventh, uh, seventh angel sounds, he's saying, that's it. The end is going to come. And in these verses, in the last verses, 8 through 11, John eats the book. It's sweet and bitter, similar to the experience in Ezekiel chapters 2 and 3. But the method, what he's saying here, or what's going on is, the message is sweet, having to do with our salvation. But there is always the bitterness of persecution. We take it into our lives. We live it out. So when you, when you eat something, it nourishes the body. But in, in this case, it, it is bitter in the sense that we're, we're going to be changing our lives, but the world is going to hate us. We're going to be persecuted. But that's the point of Revelation is show us that not lose heart, that we, we have salvation in Christ. Just keep on keeping on for the Lord. Don't ever forget that the book of Revelation, the, the term, the word of Revelation is a, a as that's what we call a transliterated word. It's straight from the Greek. And the actual English word is, a, well, I'm sorry, it's not a transliteration, but the actual English word is apocalypse. And whenever we think of the word apocalypse, maybe that, that movie comes uh, to mind, Apocalypse Now, where it's about war and destruction and everything. But no, it's not. That is not what Revelation is all about. It's not about war. It's not about destruction and, and horrible events. It is about truth. God is showing us the word Revelation, the Greek word, means to lay bare the truth, to reveal the the reality of things. He's trying to blow away, the, not trying, he's blowing away the smoke of Satan, showing us, hey, that is not true what you're seeing out there in the world. Here's the reality. Here's the truth. You go along with the world, you're going to really die. And I'm not talking about your physical death, I'm talking about your spiritual death. That, you're going to have real death. But if you stick with me, Obey by faith, the son, my son, you will have eternal life, and you will truly live. Read my words, God's saying. Read the book. It's sweet. It'll be bitter in life, but it's sweet. It is the truth. It is the honesty that you've been looking for. Let's keep that in mind. I, I thank you for being here with me to look at chapters 9 and chapters 10. But again, I want to emphasize Tackling the Text Workshop. I hope you all can get online. Go to www.tacklingthetext.com. Come on up there to hear Brother Guy speak on the book of Hebrews, the last half. Get the other uh, books. You can talk with him. I'll be up there. You can talk with me. Whatever. Just let me know. You can register online on that website, www.tacklingthetext.com. Thank you for being here, and may the Lord bless you as you continue in His work for the Lord. Till the sinful world be one for Jehovah's mighty Son. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. This program was sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.